everyone. I'm your host, Liana Pavane, founder of TTYL, human connection advocate, certified life coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. I'm your unapologetic 20-something native New Yorker, advocating selfships. Yes, I'm in a relationship with myself while navigating the dating world. I'm on a mission to break down dating stigmas in our society and to stop ghosting. I started this podcast after my ex broke up with me over the phone. I know, at least it wasn't a post-it. And I realized that our dating etiquette was severely lacking due to technology. Each week, I invite guests onto the podcast from all walks of life to discuss their first date horror stories and best dates. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. The best part about this podcast is that after each episode, I've walked away feeling more confident about myself and my relationships. So whether or not you're single, in a relationship, or find yourself in a situationship, I welcome you to get comfy as I dive into the uncomfy so we can normalize it together. Jitters, on your first date, not in your coffee. I am so excited to partner with Jibby Coffee, a lifestyle and wellness brand that crafts functional coffee for the balance-seeking consumer. They crafted a CBD-infused Colombian cold brew to help people focus throughout the day without the jitters or crash. Dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, no added sugar, and no compromises. Made in the U.S. and 100% recyclable. In addition to the fact that this coffee is focus and clarity boosting, 1% of every Jibby order goes to a high-impact nonprofit at no added cost to you. You can even track your impact directly through their partners, Charity Water, Food for Farmers, and cannabis for conservation. Use code GHOST15 for 15% off. That's GHOST15 for 15% off on both subscription and one-time purchases. Available at jibbycoffee.com for free shipping nationwide. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ghost of Dates Past. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with Dr. Marie Tuane. She is the founder of Love Insight, a mindful dating and relationship coaching practice where she supports people of all backgrounds in creating intentional and vibrant love lives. Her holistic toolbox integrates deep emotional inquiry with practical advice to navigate the journey of intimate connection. Welcome, Marie. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Liana. So nice to see you and talk to you. I know people cannot see you, <laughs> but I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I just want to dive right in. And what better way to get to know anyone better than through a first date horror story? Oh, my gosh. I have a lot of those. <laughs> I do have a lot of date stories but one of the most memorable one um I was going on a date with a guy in San Francisco and you know like I didn't think much of it it was one of those kind of improvised day of dates we went out for a drink and you know he got inhibited pretty fast and he was kind of pushing for sex a little too fast for my taste so I turned him down and you know it was fine but I knew that I didn't want to see him again and nothing came out of it. But a little bit later, he texted me and was super angry at me for turning him down. And he told me that I had no business rejecting him because I was just a seven. Shut up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was 
partly shocked, partly, you know, of course, kind of hurt and also fascinated that someone had, you know, such little filters as to really explain what was going through in their mind. So I responded, I was like, you mean if I were a 10, you would not feel offended? And he said, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so I just thought it was such a fascinating window into human psychology with no filter and how people sometimes think about dating. But yeah, it's one of my most memorable horror stories. Jeez, the, the audacity that some people have is just mind-blowing. And I'm curious also, because you're literally a doctor in this field and you've had so, you have so much research under your belt in this space, and so I'm curious how someone with your expertise, even when something like this happens, is it difficult for you as well to internalize your own advice? Of course. I mean, we all have insecurities, whether or not we are good at intellectualizing it or not. And I'm very good at intellectualizing stuff. But but I had to really kind of have a little chat with myself, you know, and say like, okay, well, I, on, I mean... I don't care about this person's opinion. They're not nice. They're not someone I want to date anyways. But, you know, to have someone objectify me like that with a number, it's like, we know that people do that, but usually they don't do it to our face. That's, yeah, that's horrific. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And gosh, I mean, yeah, it's just, I even remember in middle school when there were, there were lists going around about the guys and the girls and who was the most attractive in the grade and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I just remember feeling really icky about it. And I didn't like knowing that I would potentially not be on the top or that certain people's feelings are going to get hurt. I just, there's someone for everyone at the end of the day. And secondly, we were, what, 11 or something? I mean, everyone had glow ups. So <laughs> look at where we all are now. Uh, I was definitely an awkward, gangly little kid. But yeah, I don't know. Those are so the list, the numbers, hierarchy is just feels really, yeah, really middle school, really childish. Mm -hmm. And also like just observing the ways that we defend ourselves against rejection is very, very interesting, you know, like and it made me think about like, oh, what ways do I justify in myself you know, like when someone rejects me? Do I somehow tell myself a story about, oh, they were not that great anyways, or, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I always, I mean, I always say rejection is redirection and it says a lot more about the other person than it does about you. I mean, especially in ghosting, obviously in rejection, it's something about you they don't vibe with but then that just goes to show why would you want to be with someone why would you go chasing after someone who doesn't want to be with you or who doesn't see you for the whole person that you are I was recently rejected and yeah it stung a little bit I kind of saw it coming but I wasn't very far invested in this person and I knew that I needed something specific from them that I ended up receiving and so therefore, I felt like I had closure because I was 
you know, the spontaneous weekend that we met, it was just kind of a, okay, this is what I want out of the situation. And I'm fine with other way. I think going into the mentality of knowing what you want and taking time to figure out if, you know, before jumping into anything more with someone asking yourself, okay, if I do proceed, especially physically with someone, is it okay if it doesn't go anywhere? Am I okay with that? Or knowing that that could potentially happen with this person, should I then just stop things? And then if they, I think in your case, you weren't interested, A, but also it was too fast for you. And so I think it's a really big indication on the other person's part, on his part, showing what he is looking for. You're clearly not on the same page anyway. And so you just saved yourself being vulnerable with someone who wasn't going to respect you, but also just having a bad experience, even worse experience. I mean, the experience you had was unpleasant, but it could have been a lot worse if you did go there with that person. Oh my gosh, yes. I certainly dodged a bullet. It felt a little bit like, isn't there a movie where, uh, or like a thought experiment where everyone just says what's on their mind without a filter? And I felt like I was suddenly thrown into that experiment and I had to face the facts. And at the same time, there was a bit of a liberating factor to it where it's like, oh, I knew exactly where he stood. Yeah, totally. And I feel like this goes into the concept of mindful dating, which I know you, you discuss a lot. And just really being thoughtful and thinking before making decisions in your dating life. So can you explain what this term mindful dating means? Sure. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so mindful dating. So let's start with mindfulness. Mindfulness to me is about presence and about awareness. So it's about being in the present moment, being in your body and having an observer be active within your experience. So yes, being present to your experience and also being able to observe it at the same time so that you can learn about yourself. So it's a state of curiosity. It's a state of embodiment. It's a state of observation. So usually we use that word in the context of meditation, mindfulness meditation, but in the context of dating, I found that we can use it to look at our own emotions and experiences and what's happening to us with a curious eye instead of purely with a goal-oriented eye. So I think it can enrich the experience of dating a lot and help us deal with those emotions that will invariably come up. Yeah, I love that. I think something that I've been putting into practice in my dating life now is just a continuation of reflection throughout my dating experience with this person. I think it really helped me put things into perspective rather than waiting until something quote unquote bad happens or very red flaggy that I see and then all the other things start piling up and I start noticing things versus coming back from dates or in between seeing this person after conversations on the phone and just thinking about them in a very analytical way. Leading with my analytical brain as much as my emotional brain because I think we get very caught up in the emotions, obviously, and 
I think especially for women, we can get quite attached. I mean, that's proven after being physical with someone. So for me, and that definitely has happened, so it's important for me to try and separate the two of those things and really see the person, basically what what was in your bio, this idea of seeing someone holistically and looking at someone in a 360 kind of lens. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, right. And to really become more in tune with our own emotional reactions and and why, where are they coming from? So, you know, okay, I'm getting attached to this person. What does that mean? Does it mean something about them? Does it mean something about me? What What is the most healing, the most true, authentic way to look at this situation? In spite of all the flurry of you know, crazy thoughts and emotions that might be coming to my awareness right now. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think for me, being able to identify and differentiate between my emotions and my thoughts has been really helpful through therapy. So something, I'm in CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's been really helpful to first identify the emotions and then associate those emotions with thoughts and then identify the negative thought that's really associated, like what's the underlying thought. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very vulnerable thing to go into the depths of my brain and assess and then find an inciting event that happened in my past to that ended up triggering all of these thoughts, which is painful but necessary in order to move on and proceed through relationships with clarity and understand, I think a lot of what you were talking about with your dating experience, just understanding or asking yourself, okay, how do I get over this situation? How do I feel? What's going through my head? How have I dealt with rejection? And really sitting in those thoughts it can definitely be uncomfortable but I think it's a super important practice and something that I pushed away for a really long time and since starting therapy it's I'm so much more quick to assess myself and understand what I need and what I need to get rid of Mm, I love it Yeah, it's kind of like trading off um, the immediate gratification for a more long-term vision of wellness, because doing the work of self-awareness like you're doing is difficult. Sometimes, you know, you're in a situation, you don't want to do it, you just want to freak out, or you just want to get attached, you (laughs) you don't want to process, you don't want to build that awareness, but ultimately, if you do it, you will have more long-term happiness and peace. Yeah, totally. And I think another thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is this idea of the fantasy before we meet someone, this idea of, and I think this really goes into the idea of mindful dating and mindful dating, I feel like also is also coexists with with this idea of feeling grounded and feeling level-headed in our dating lives. And so yeah, just a lot of us see dating as this means to an end, as, okay, we need to keep dating and date long-term, date for a certain amount of time, and that's when we're like supposed to get engaged, or we have to date to meet our 
life partner and get married and have kids and that's the end goal but we also get caught up pretty early on a lot of us do in this fantasy world of we see ourselves walking down the aisle or we look at their last name and hear what it sounds like on our name and so how do we pause and breathe and just accept and enjoy the ride so to speak Mm, yes well I think that sometimes we can't fight what's already there so if we find ourselves having those thoughts you know and we're starting to judge ourselves for those thoughts I would just interrupt that judgment and just observe and just be curious about your own thoughts and be okay with them and be like wow I'm I'm kind of tripping here. I mean, I'm not in a bad way, but I'm I'm already imagining myself walking down the aisle like, wow, that's so interesting what my brain is generating from such little information and this might happen or it might not happen. Let's see what happens. To again build that observer voice that just kind of comments on the experience that I'm having without judging it without judging the emotional attachment that's happening. Because inherently, it's not a bad thing to fantasize. It's only a bad thing if we take all of this very seriously. Mm, I love that. I think that's such a fresh perspective in not putting pressure or judgment on ourselves for having those thoughts because it's okay that we have those thoughts. It's kind of beautiful that we envision a lovely life for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's that idea of daydreaming. You know, I always think back to the movies where the kids in class and just daydreaming and thinking about, you know, there's a little cloud bubble above their heads. And in class, you get criticized for staring off into the distance. And yet those people end up being the most creative and the most thinking outside the box mentality. And I think there's something beautiful about living in not necessarily another world, but an alternate reality, letting your mind wander. I think it's so awful when we tell our minds to stop or say, tell ourselves, oh, what are you doing, Liana? I can't believe you're getting ahead of yourself in that way. You're being so unrealistic. That's a terrible way to talk to yourself. So I, yeah, I agree. I think it's giving yourself permission to let go and just explore what that fantasy is while remaining grounded. I think that's the tricky part. I guess, how would you suggest someone kind of live between those two? Between the judgment and the interruption of what already exists? Yeah, I think that the judgment and or letting the fantasy go a little bit but also understanding that to that extent it probably won't happen and staying grounded being present with the person and not getting ahead of yourself Mm -hmm. well part of it has to do with having a full life and having things that excite you not just that one person because if we don't cultivate our friendships and we don't cultivate a mission or a purpose that really excites us, we're more vulnerable to really obsessing about one person and fantasizing and thinking, wow, this person is going to come and fill this void that I'm feeling. So part of 
Part of the remedy is to fill that void ourselves as much as possible, cultivating our friendships, cultivating our activities, our relationship with ourselves, with work, etc. And then in terms of the thoughts themselves, so again, we can't change necessarily the emotion or the thoughts. We can't force ourselves to feel something differently, but we can change our relationship to those feelings. So it's like there's the stuff, there's the painful stuff, and then there's our relationship to the stuff. And if we can make that relationship kind of smoother and say like, okay, well, it's part of me, it's okay, give it a big hug and say, you don't get to control my life and my behavior, you don't get to control how I act around this person, I'm not going to act all crazy, but you can be there, it's okay, you can be part of the the thought ecosystem in my mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think I always can recognize when I feel unbalanced in my personal life is when the fantasies have a mind of their own and just really go somewhere that's not grounded and feels very, yeah, just very unbalanced, very off and I know that when I feel fulfilled in my relationships, my friendships, my family, my hobbies, everything I'm I'm doing, I feel fulfilled in my life. That's when I really that's when I don't necessarily fantasize so much, but I think it's because I have other things to fulfill me. I don't need to feel fulfillment from a fantasy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the other thing, and that's just not that that's not just about dating, but about emotions in general, like, you know, how do you deal with strong, painful emotions? Sometimes they just need to be released, you know, to do perhaps a physical activity, like going on a run and having the intention of releasing those emotions or going dancing or singing or screaming or you know, there's a ton of ways where we can just put our intention behind it and just be with that emotion and intend to release. And that can really, really help. Yeah, I love that. I always love in the beginning of, if anyone does yoga, in the beginning of yoga classes, they often ask you to set an intention or provide you with some sort of intention for the class. And I I try to set intentions before experiences as well. And I think that has really helped me going into experiences, going out dancing. That I, I love that. I'm going dancing tomorrow. So I love the idea of going to a going dancing in order to release because it's such an amazing form of expression. And I've turned to it so much in my life. I'll dance, I'll have solar dance parties in my apartment all the time because it's the best way I know how to connect to my emotions and it's through movement. I'm not one to meditate in silence much. If I do a meditation, it's walking or running. I'll go, I ran this morning and I always run without my phone and that's my way of really connecting to my center. But yeah, it's just, everyone has a different way. And I think going and and I talk about this a lot about being mindful with your experiences and and going in with with an intention and and not putting so much pressure 
to, oh, I have to meet someone. I have to find my person tonight. Who's at the bar? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, what do you want? It's not about meeting someone else. It'll, it'll come because your energy is in the right place. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. When we are in alignment with ourselves and we really make friends with ourselves, then we emanate a very magnetic energy, which makes it a lot easier to attract a great partner. Yeah. And I think on the flip side a little bit, you know, we've been talking about the relationship that we need to cultivate with ourselves. But then there's also this idea that dating can actually help you get more in touch with who you are. So can you explain that a little more? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking about emotions again. Again, <laughs> I think getting in touch with who we are is witnessing those emotions and those experiences that are coming up and being able to integrate them. So if we frame the dating experience as an exploration, as an adventure in embracing more of who we are, because really dating is going to bring up some emotions that pretty much nothing else will bring. Like work might not bring it about, family relationships might not bring it about. It's like when you integrate sexuality and, you know, the whole emotion um, set around desirability, am I lovable as a sexual being? It brings up some deep stuff. So it can help us really know like what we're made of and and reinforce ourselves in those places where we're vulnerable and we're likely to feel offended or feel disappointed, feel betrayed, feel angry. So for, for example, when that guy called me a seven, which I, okay, I know I'm, you know, like I'm not like the hottest girl in the room and all that, but to be called that in my face in an offensive way, I had to go back to myself and say like, well, you know, I, I love myself. I don't want to trade who I am for somebody else. And I have great gifts to give. So it can be really important to to go to those places that are painful and wounded and and do the work of healing them. So dating is just this great opportunity to go into all of those places. Yeah. And I think it's so... I love what you said about tying it into sexuality because... I think that's something we can only really explore in a dating scenario or in, you know, I think when you're younger and you start to have these feelings or crushes on people and you look at someone and you get all tingly and feel weird and fuzzy and you don't really understand. I think that's when we start to explore this idea of sexuality, but it's, I think, really coming out in our society about how different sexuality is and how there's a whole rainbow literally of all different types of sexual beings and it's very fluid and i love that we're exploring this and people are getting more comfortable with exploring that and and being more experimental and everything and i think yeah it's just there's no other scenario or experience in life that really teaches you that I think it's a very personal journey and one that even school you know you can learn the terms of you know are you heterosexual are you homosexual are you this that the other but 
until you really fully go through the experiences and understand what feels good and what doesn't feel good to you, that's when you start to understand what you identify as. And I don't think there's an equivalent. And it's funny because there's no, no one teaches you, right? No one teaches you how to do it. It's just kind of almost expected through society to date and to meet someone and you see it on TV and, and, and movies and all these things, but no one teaches you what to do or, oh yeah, if you feel weird, maybe you should explore other types of people or, you know, maybe you swing a different way or whatever it is. I think it's just such a, and no one's going to tell you, no one's going to know because it's all internal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. And we live in such privileged times, you know, being able to use online dating to meet people who maybe we would not have met through our work or just our neighborhood. So we're able to meet people of all different cultures and ages and sexual orientations and backgrounds. So we get to just witness how we feel in the presence of all of these different people. So I think we're so lucky to live in these times. Totally. I agree. So I'd love to hear your best first date story. Ooh, best. (laughs) Well, interestingly enough, I think that's a good thing to note for your listeners. Like pretty much all of my best first date stories did not turn into long-term relationships. So there's not really a correlation in my experience between best first date and best long-term relationship. That said, I think my best first date was with a woman, because I also have dated women, a little bit less than men, but I just love how communicative most women can be. And that particular woman brought a set of authentic relating games to our first date. And we got to just like ask each other structured questions. So the structured communication really helped us get to know each other at a different level than just the demographics, like, hey, what do you do? What school did you go to? Blah, blah, blah. It was more like, ooh, um, what makes me really excited in life? Like, what makes me really afraid? What, What was the highlight of my year so far? These more thoughtful questions and that kind of structured communication where you really let somebody speak and answer a question, It can feel almost artificial, but it brings you to a completely different level of relating very fast. So I just loved that date because I felt like I learned so much about myself and about her within just a couple of hours. Mm, There's so many things that I want to touch on here because, well, first of all, I absolutely love conversation card games. They've been blowing up and... I have so many in my apartment and I play with girlfriends. I'll bring them to dinner. You know, I, I've brought, I, it's funny because I actually, it's one of the first date horror stories that I told on my recent solo episode. I had brought these cards just in case things got awkward. And I remember taking them out and because things were getting awkward and I took them out as a way to ease the silence and just, oh, here, hey. And he just goes, what are those? What are you doing with those? Put those away. We don't need those. Like, are you kidding? Or something like that. And I just felt so gaslit. So just we were on completely different wavelengths. 
I don't want to ever be with someone who isn't open-minded. And he just was not assessing the situation well at all. And, and then that made it silent. Then the rest of the date was ruined because he shot me down. And I was just so, well, fine. You know, I felt like a five-year-old. I was just like, fine. If you're going to do that, then I'm just going to make this day miserable. If you're not going to be open-minded, then I'm just going to sit here and enjoy my free drinks. And that's what I did. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I think they are a very helpful tool. I think for, I know couples use them even who've dated a really long time. They'll ask each other a question every night from the card game, have it on their bedside table. I've heard so many different scenarios. You can use them for journaling if you just want to get more in touch with yourself. And I've playing with friends has really brought me closer to them. And then I also love what you said about you learned a lot about yourself because I think oftentimes the experience of journaling something and speaking to people is so different. And a lot of times, yes, I have realizations when I journal about myself, but I also have a lot of realizations when I speak them out loud. And it's such a different experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And I oftentimes will recommend that to my coaching clients, you know, like go to those authentic relating workshops or prepare yourself with really good questions to ask on a date because of course, if the person is receptive to that, and hopefully they are, they are to be a good partner, they will really appreciate it. They will appreciate the fact that you prepared something and that you are that curious about them, that you would be so intentional as to bring questions that you can ask each other. I think that's such a testament of, you know, of being intentional and really wanting to go deeper. Totally. I think, and for people who are maybe anxious to go on dates, it's a great way to come with not only, you don't have to come with prepared questions, they're just right there. And then it's something you can physically do. And I also love this idea of bringing something to dates, you know, offering a gift or something, even if it's just, I heard once that people will always bring something. So, you know, even if it's a chocolate or, hey, I I passed this bakery on the way over here and it just looks so good and they were closing up and I just wanted to pop in and grab a cookie, so I figured we could share. Do you want some? Like, I think something like that is just super sweet, even for for anyone to do. It doesn't have to be just, I think we're so, the idea of chivalry with men and specifically heterosexual relationships, bringing flowers or chocolates or whatever, showing up at the doorstep, but anyone can do it. And it's a really, it says a lot about a person and it's fun to have a shared experience and something memorable to mark a date or a first date. Oh my god, I love that so much. I think I'm going to tell everyone to do it. I mean, what does it cost, you know, bringing a cookie to a date? And it will change the whole vibe right away. Exactly. And even if it's, it could be a card game, it could literally be a deck of cards. You could be like, I just learned this really awesome card game. Did you used to play cards when you were a kid? I used to play them at camp all the time. Oh my gosh, let's play Spit or, you know, whatever. And it's just, what a fun way to laugh. And I mean, that's, you know, with my, when I was putting on my events, it was all games and coloring and, and nostalgic activities. And I think then I hosted a dating event and the thing that I, I realized everyone was able to connect so much more because A, you're comfortable, you have something to do and focus on, 
And B, it's these shared activities that are nostalgic. And so it brings up childhood and warm and fuzzy feelings that make you open up and feel really safe and and comfortable. And so I just, you, you could really see people open up with one another just over a simple board game. Mm-hmm. I agree. And even if that date does not turn into anything more, another date or relationship, I think it just kind of brings that good, you know, goodwill, positive regard that it's just really nice to cultivate and brings about a better world and can create bridges to more people and more friendships. Exactly. Yes. You never know who you're going to meet on any date, dating experience. And if you end up meeting their friends... And they, one of their friends ends up being someone you end up dating. You just never know. Everything comes back around. So yeah, just important to be open-minded and no expectations. Right. And be ready to invest. I like that act because it shows kind of the, the readiness to, to bring a little bit more than is expected. Like that extra step, that investment, which just creates a ripple effect. Like, I'm not saying you need to over-invest in someone who's showing that they're not interested at all, but to always be, you know, like the one ready to say, like, yes, you matter. I'm not waiting until you show me that you care that much, you know, until I show you that I care. Like, you can be the first one to care. Mm, Yeah, I like that because, yeah, it's kind of adding a little extra spice on your part, but also, yeah, you're showing more about the kind of person you are, that you would go above and beyond for someone you haven't even met before that moment, that you're willing to be vulnerable, to open up to, that's just the kind of person you are, you're giving human. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to to show someone. Mm-hmm. And I would hope, <laughs> on the theme of your podcast, I would hope that it would reduce the incidences of ghosting. Well, that brings me into my next question so perfectly. So going off of ghosting, it's just after we go through any trauma or ghosting experience, which in many cases is considered quite a traumatic experience in itself, I know from from experience, as I'm sure many of the listeners do. So how do we keep our heart open for the next dating experience? I think we so often get cold or think, oh, we have to build up walls now to protect ourselves because we we became vulnerable too soon. We opened up too quickly or they know so much about us and they don't like what they see or hear. And so, yeah, what is your advice about that? Mm, good question. My advice would be twofold. The first one would be to just remember why we're dating to ask ourselves like okay am i dating because i think i should be dating is it an external sort of motivation because my mom is pressuring me to get married in which case it can feel like a lot of pressure and it can feel more difficult to just take care of ourselves and if we are dating just because we do ultimately believe that we can meet someone beautiful who is going to meet us and and that we can share love with then we can kind of rekindle that hopefulness So that's one side, is just remember why you're dating and give yourself permission to take a break if you need to. And the other side is take care of your nervous system. Because, yeah, these emotions, you know, like the 
the impact of being ghosted or being rejected or having a negative or traumatic experience can be really something that we need to take into consideration. And how do we build ourselves up? How do we build resilience? And how do we make ourselves open again? So starts with taking care of our body by exercising, treating ourselves well, eating well, just practicing really great self-care. That changes everything. And then secondly, cultivating a really great social network where we do feel like we have love in our lives no matter what. So really investing in our friendships and you know, bringing cookies and card games to our friends as well. <laughs> that just really reinforces our faith in humanity when we already have those great relationships to rely on. So nervous system and intention. I love that. I think that's, yeah, doing the checks, the internal checks. I mean, that was a big reason why I stopped dating last year because I knew I wasn't dating for the right reasons. And so I needed to recognize that. And it took me going through these ghosting experiences and traumatic events to realize that my intentions aren't even in the right place. So why would I be attracting the right people? Because I wasn't. And that's why I kept getting myself in weird situations and and uncomfortable and hurtful situations. And yeah, I think it it does take a lot to recognize that. And it is hard, but yeah, it's so important to have people to fall back on and be able to fall back on yourself. I think if you are going through a spiral and I fully support people going on rampages and just wanting to date and if you want to get under someone new or multiple people new after traumatic experience or breakup, power to you. But I truly believe that catches up at the end of the day and it's so important to have a healing process and have something to fall back on. And I think something I've been thinking a lot about recently is just every breakup and every experience that you go through is very different, right? And so the way you handle that is going to be different. I think the idea of finding closure changes so much from dating experience to dating experience. Sometimes you know what you need and sometimes you don't. I think it's the same when any experience happens to you for the first time, right? Like when you lose a loved one for the first time, you don't know what to do. No one teaches you how to pick yourself back up from that from that trauma, that loss. But once you go through it, you're you you kind of know. I mean, obviously, but then it's different because every person you lose in your life, it's a different relationship. And so you can't know exactly how you're going to feel. What what worked for you last time may not work for you the next time. So it's definitely important to always have those friendships and those people in your life to to lean back on for that unconditional love. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And again, to bring back the concept of mindful dating, which is all about being present to our experiences and not being, you know, in a rush to just put them in different categories and different boxes. It's the same when someone dies, you know, there's nothing to do besides just being present to what we're experiencing because there isn't a script. It will feel different every single time. And I think it's the same with 
love and relationships. Like there isn't a script because every, you know, combination of people who get together and form a bond, it will feel different every single time. It's like snowflakes. There's not one that's exactly the same. So we can try to categorize and operationalize and make rules. But ultimately, we can only be present with ourselves and ask ourselves, like, what What does love and kindness mean in this particular moment? Yeah, and I think we change so much as we evolve and get older and learn more about ourselves. And therefore, we seek out more meaningful connections. We seek out people to be in relationships with that align with our values and align with what we want and what we need and what we desire. And I think the more that we get closer to figuring out who we are, and really connecting to ourselves, the more painful it can be to lose that person because it was, we really believe that in that moment, we are so sure of ourselves and therefore this other person we were so sure of. And so it can be so much of a shock, I think, as we get older and learn more about the world and and ourselves and each other that I think it almost gets harder, not easier. Right. Well, I think the thing is, we're not static. We do grow and evolve as we move through life, especially in the times that we're living in, like the world is moving and changing so rapidly. And we still have this ideal that we need to be with the same person for a lifetime. Otherwise, it's a failure. And that's a very destructive idea, in my opinion. Because if we put that standard on ourselves like oh if my relationship did not last my entire lifetime that means it was a failure well most people are gonna think that their failures or their relationships are failures and i don't buy that i think our relationships help us grow and there might be a time where we grow in different directions and we need to transition those relationships and breakups are not failures Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love what you're talking about. And I think this really goes into the idea of inherited values, right? We grow up with this idea that marriage is one person and that's what society does. You marry one person. It's a heterosexual relationship because that's, you know, the ideal relationship. Obviously, that's very much changing. But this is, I think, what a lot of people grew up with. And so how do you disentangle the things that you've learned, so these inherited values, from your chosen values and apply that to your dating life? Mm-hmm. Well, that is a very important process. And that's where also a lot of my coaching conversations end up going, is what are your values, what are your goals and aspirations in dating, and where are they coming from? Are they making you happy? And in order to disentangle it, you have to, first of all, be very attuned to how those values and those goals feel in your body. Do they feel like an external source of authority or do they feel like an internal source of authority? Because when something feels like it's an external source of authority, like there's this external voice saying like, oh, you need to get married by age 30. You need to have children by age 32, blah, blah, blah. And you see yourself not fitting into that mold and you realize you're experiencing a lot of tension and anxiety around it. Then it can be a sign that it's an external value. And of course, we 
have internalized it. It has become a voice that lives inside of us. But if it's creating a lot of tension and a lot of conflict between who we are and what we think we should be, then it's a good indication of like, okay, maybe I should loosen up my relationship with that value and and try on different values and see if there are other ways of seeing myself and seeing relationships that will create more relaxation and more spaciousness in my lived experience. Yeah, I love that. The idea of creating relaxation in your lived experience because it's all about you, right? You're the center of your world, not your parents and not your siblings and not your friends. You get to decide how you want to live your life, how you want to embody yourself, what you believe in, what you don't believe in. Of course, there's a lot of influence from our childhood. I think that goes through the idea of nature versus nurture and all that, but I think it it can be difficult as well, I will say, to really pull away from the inherited values because I think I'm sure a lot of people go through this, but your parents hinting at when are you going to have kids or if you're, you go to family events and they're saying, oh, are you dating anyone or meet anyone nice or anything like that? And it can be uncomfortable because it's difficult to explain to your loved ones and people who raised you and love you unconditionally that you don't believe in those things anymore, that you have a a changed mentality. And for them to understand and accept that, I think it's going to get much more accepted generations through generations. But I think we're living in a very interesting time where there's this very clear juxtaposition of the older generation and the younger generation right now. And as I think we kind of gear into that that older generation, society is going to be very different in 100 years. That's for sure. I think right now it's a very interesting time when it comes to sexuality, values, and dating specifically because there is this very much old mentality, right? It's interesting because my parents were born in the 50s and so their parents instilled also very traditional mentalities onto their children. And I have aunts and uncles who've been through divorces and, you know, mixing families. And I have cousins and in my family who identify as gay or different sexualities and marry different races and I think it's very it's been very interesting seeing the family kind of accept this and seeing this more melting pot American way (laughs) into our family and I'm lucky in the regard that we all get along and that everyone loves each other so much which is so beautiful but I know that these things pull apart families so much in in a lot a lot of families wow yeah that's so right. Yeah, we live in very unprecedented times in that regard. Like, you're right. It's super interesting to see the juxtaposition of traditional values and more progressive values or just different ways of expressing ourselves. And on the one hand, we're very lucky to live in those times, in my opinion, because we get to explore a lot of different ways of being 
And on the other hand, it's a huge responsibility and it's a huge challenge to still try to receive belonging and acceptance and family and tribe and live our individual expression. These are two conflicting human needs that kind of clash in the realm of dating. Totally. And I think it's so sad when people choose, when people don't choose themselves, right? It's not living through your own experience. I think going back to that concept of your, your own, you're the, the hero in your own story. And it's so important for you to feel 100%, 100% of your life. You know, you're only in this body once. And I think it's so important to connect to it and to really understand internally who you are and what you want and live that every day. Because if you aren't happy with your situation or are just doing things to please other people and not yourself, that's not going to feel good after years, not even. It won't take, you know, it won't take that long till you till that starts to catch up to you and you don't feel 100% at all. Mhm mhm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such deep stuff. I mean, it's a matter of survival, really. Like our biology is screaming to us like, "Hey, you have to be accepted by a group. You have to belong. You have to have a tribe in order to survive." And so that's why also it's so important to cultivate great friendships as much as we can and thank god for the internet because it has given us access to a lot of different connections with different groups and minority groups where we can find a sense of family and belonging even if we don't belong really in our family of origin or our tribe of origin so yeah we live in very changing times and very privileged time that we can reinvent ourselves like that Totally. Oh, so beautiful. This has been incredible conversation. I have so enjoyed having you here and just really delving into some pretty deep topics, but I've, I've so enjoyed, I feel really grounded myself. So I hope that everyone listening does as well. And I just have a couple rapid fire questions that I ask everyone before we close out. So how do you get excited for a date? Ooh, <laughs> I bring my deck of cards. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, just I stoke my own curiosity about who that person is and what am I going to learn about myself. So curiosity, curiosity. Mm, that's a really great one. That's awesome. And what is your ideal date? Ooh, my ideal date is something that involves movement, not just talking. I love doing things like hiking or indoor rock climbing or outdoor rock climbing or going somewhere, dancing, where I can see how the person acts in their body, not just with their mind, with their words. I think it reveals so much about potential chemistry and, you know, communication at the nonverbal level. Mm, I love that so much. I, yes, your answers are impeccable. Amazing. So <laughs> I love dating. <laughs> <laughs> so where can everyone find you, Marie? So my website is loveinsight-dating.com and you can sign up for a free 30-minute exploratory session there. I would love to meet any of your listeners who are interested in talking to me further. I'm also on Instagram at 
love underscore insight underscore dating and on Facebook at love insight dating. So yeah, please connect. Yay. Yeah. I hope everyone reaches out. Marie is amazing. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. And thank you. That was great. (laughs) Bye, Liana. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.